Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soundcheck. This is the rock and roll and alternative podcast here at Central Michigan Life. I'm joined by my co-host. Michael Livingston. And as always, well, it seems like as always, we are joined by our glorious uh, podcast editor. Brent Gunn. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. And today, this is this is Brent's episode today. His, this is one he's been kind of pestering me to do for quite a while. So uh, we're finally going to throw him a bone after having to sit two hours through hair metal. And uh, we're talking about um, something that's actually metal, something uh, that would actually um, probably would want to slaughter all hair metal bands, this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we talking about today, Brent? We're talking about the, the wonderful world of black metal. wonderful world yeah quick caveat i'm not a historian uh we're not going to mention every band that you probably want us to mention so why didn't you talk about so-and-so just we didn't get around to it kind of like with the new york hardcore episode (laughs) coming forward as just humble fans of the genre having a good conversation about why i enjoy it and uh yeah yeah, it should it should also be said that andrew and i had little to no prior experience especially me i have never listened to anything black metal probably in my entire life before researching for this episode i have to say as precursor i was pleasantly surprised hell yeah but uh yeah we'll just get into the stuff that's we like we hate and we're gonna we're gonna pick brent's brain apart as a hardcore fan of the genre and see why he likes it i have questions right beside me all right cool so um some just to kind of try to get a job off of Michael saying, yeah, pretty much my listening stuff of what I actually listened to to um, black metal is essentially some of the proto stuff. You know, I, I liked a bit of Venom, a, a big King Diamond fan, so there's I'm a fan of Merciful Fate. And then um, I know Brent mentioned that kind of Sodom and Crater also kind of can arguably fall in with some of this. So if that's the case, then yeah, I like that stuff too. You know, for me with metal, I, I tend I, I'm a big thrash head. Um, mm-hmm. I like a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal stuff. Even I even enjoy some power metal and some uh, speed metal as well. I know there's not a whole lot of difference between the two, but you know that's kind of and other stuff like that's kind of where I fall with metal and as with other subgenres. But that's kind of where I really that's, stick with. That's metal. almost kind of where I'm falling to, where it's like before I listen to this, like obviously I'm a big fan of all the thrash stuff that came out of the 80s, the Metallica, the Big Four. And then, you know, I got my cringy new metal stuff that I was into um, a lot and still am kind of into. And then, um, and then you know, the the real classics, you know, the Black Sabbaths and all, you know, the pioneers of that time. Yeah. But going into the, the many, many subgenres of, of metal, it, 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 was, it was all new to me, so. I think I... I don't really even remember how I got into black metal. I think that I just... my first question is, like, how it happened, you know? Uh, I think it just kind of happened as, like, I got into other things because as I was a kid, you know, my mom wouldn't let me listen to certain things. So whenever I was, like, home really? alone, I'd go to YouTube and I'd listen to, like, you know, Marilyn Manson or something as a kid. Really? Yeah, and then like, I'd have to, like, delete my YouTube history when my mom got home or something when I was a kid. Huh. So, like, when... Oh, look at my you, you always hear stories about that of, like, of people like getting into the music that their parents don't want them to listen to. I never had that experience. My parents were really like pretty 
generous about yeah, letting me listen my, to whatever. It's mine kind of work too. Uh, I remember my dad would play Down with the Sickness a lot in the car. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, I mean, like, the yeah, look at you now. Look at you now. Yeah. Look how you turned out. My mom cared a lot more about that stuff than my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad got me into like corn. You know, my dad yeah, bought me the first corn oh, yeah. album on CD and stuff mm-hmm. like I'm that. I'm sorry. But, you know, the first corn album goes hard, Andrew. Get out, get out of my face. <laughs> Same with Life is Peachy. They I'm go hard. Up, I'm, back, I'm backing up. Bro, Thank you, Michael. <laughs> anyway, People so disgust me. got into like, you know, Napalm Death really quick. Because like when you're a kid and you have that freedom, you're like, okay, I could look, I could look up like, you know, Marilyn Manson continually. Or it's like, just go on to YouTube or go on to Google, like, Mm-hmm. What's the heaviest music there is when you're like 12, yeah. or, you know, 11. And then you find, you know, Napalm Death or Cannibal Corpse or, you know, you find like really entry level metal, really entry level grindcore, insect warfare, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like by association, you hear about Dark Throne, you hear about Mayhem, you hear about, you know, uh, Immortal, you hear about all these bands. And then I've I've just been listening to this probably since I was like 16. And so it all kind of stayed with It you. all stems from like, a rebellion? I wouldn't say a rebellion, just a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I wasn't the kind of kid where it's like, if my mom told me not to do something, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. It was more so it's like, well, what's out there? I've always just been a really curious person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I started going to shows when I was really young in my hometown, like, hardcore shows. So seeing, like, a hardcore show when you're 13 or 12, that makes you feel like, well, there's a whole universe out there probably that mm-hmm. I'm just not aware of yet. So let me go find it. What's the thing that, you know, is kind of hidden in the world still. And at the time, for me, that was black metal. Now, you know, Lords of Chaos is going to be a movie, and it's pretty much a very, like, mainstream thing to at least know what black metal is. And I feel like that's kind of, like, a good timely reason for why we bring it up, too. Oh, yeah. I have you here. Sorry, Andrew, I'll let you ask a question after this one, but this transitions perfectly. As a person who's turned on to so many different musical phenomena as you are, like, Andrew's obviously really diverse in his music taste. I've, I know a lot of people who are, but you're very diverse, Brent. Why is it that what 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 kind of instrumental and like what what factors draws you to that genre specifically? Um, That's pretty much what my question was. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier. I think the big thing for me is it's like, all right, I, I like music or I like looking at music in like a craft sense. It's like, if you're a rock band, your craft of being a rock band, I'm going to judge you by how you do the craft. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know, black metal, it's still at its core, you know, metal music. So, you know, mostly, you know, we were talking about this. Most bands that are in metal music, they approach it by the riff. They approach heaviness by, you know, how can we make, you know, the riff low and how, how can we have there be this dissonance between, you know, when the bass drum kicks and, you know, the free, like, dissonance that the riff provides. Mm-hmm. Whereas with black metal... The heaviness derives from just a wall of sound to, to create like a, a kind of swirling texture because the drummer is usually playing you know, a 30 second you know, you know, blast. I use the word shrill to describe yeah, it. Sure, yeah, sure, shrill. You know, he's just going away. And, you know, the kick drum, the hi-hat are syncopated to create just this like. And then the guitar is just playing these full on chords, not not just the top three like for a power chord, how you would see in like, you know, thrash metal and stuff like that. You see these full on chords in E minor or, you know, these crazy minor gross chords being mm-hmm. strummed at, as a really, really fast tremolo. Mm-hmm. So you have, and the, the bass, the bass is sacrificing that too because they're tremolo picking as well. Mm-hmm. So you have all things going at just this constant like rhythm and pace to create a wall of sound and approaching metal music 
guitar music that way. It's like, it doesn't surprise me why, you know, black gaze is a thing, you know, black metal and shoegaze <laughs> getting, you know, lumped together because they both kind of approach guitar music in similar ways. They want to create a wall of sound with the instrumentation. It's kind of spilled over into like being able to accept other kinds of music because it's like the reason why I think I like, you know, no wave or I like noise music or power electronics is because black metal helps set the stage for me being more open to like different structures or bands doing things that I wouldn't commonly associate with, you know, how a song should or shouldn't be structured. So uh, I, I do want to make a point off that because that's um, a lot of what he was talking about is pretty much the main takeaway I got from listening to this. I wouldn't even describe this. Most of the like, there are exceptions like uh, so Marduk and like you threw a Marduk song in there um, and uh, uh, some of the other stuff like Arcanum and some of the more well-produced stuff, like, definitely had more of, like, a uh, like a heaviness to them. But, like, a lot of this stuff was very, you know, low fidelity, very noisy, as you said. And a, lo a lot of what I got from it wasn't heavy. I wouldn't describe this music as heavy, like, like I would with thrash metal or whatever. That's why, I, I, like you, I found that very interesting because this music was still brutal. It was brooding. It was abrasive as all hell. Mm -hmm. But it's more temporal too. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. Especially like you said, with all the the, the, the tremolo picking and um all the, and all the open chords and whatnot. And, a lot, and there were a lot of high notes in here too. Like, again, like compared to a lot of like you know thrash metal or your death or even even in some cases new wave of British heavy metal, you you definitely got a lot of there, and it was still. That wall of sound was aggressive and without being heavy, which I was, which I thought was really interesting how they managed to do that. And also, I'll make this point, which Michael may be able to follow up on. It seems like some of the only heavy metal that isn't indebted to blues. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't borrow from that that bowl yes. of influence yeah. at all. That the, you're kind of like citing like how Black Sabbath and like Led Zeppelin were like influenced by that early stuff. Yeah, and it's like most metal kind of comes from that playbook of it's like basing the riff around blues, you know, yeah. and like how the ba how the riff is structured. Mm -hmm. Black metal doesn't do that at all. It, you'd say it's more based off of folk, right? Yeah, I would say it's more based off of like European folk music or folk music of that region. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it, it maybe came from what was happening in, in, you know, grindcore circles in like the late 80s and stuff, you know, like we're going to talk about the first wave stuff, which we kind of consider more accessible. Uh, you know, bands like Benham, Sodom, Bathory, these are bands which when you listen to them and then you listen to later black metal bands, you can clearly see these bands are still playing like thrashy metal music, mm -hmm. but it's, it's in a different direction. It's in yeah. a darker direction. I mean, bands like Venom and stuff, they appealed to like, you know, Satanism lyrically and stuff. They did a lot of it for shock value. They were thrash bands. They were like evil thrash bands. Mm -hmm. That that was almost like the mm -hmm. the appeal of them back then. And that kind of became black metal. I think it got crystallized in the nineties. Yeah, a lot of people would say that. I think black metal is kind of one dimensional. Whereas I saw you have the songs that are very speedy and and fast, but you also have kind of the sludgier aspect of it. Um, I don't know what, in, if you're examining those two as very broad, dynamic, um, separate separations, wh which ones do you fall towards the most, Brent? Um, well, you know, we have Brent picks today right. for black metal, and one of them for me is Zaster, which anyone listening, I'll probably get a skull for that, you know, like, oh, of course he likes Zaster, but I love Zaster. Um, it's a one-man project, and the thing I like about it is, you know, it's brooding, it's really gothy. It's really kind of somber a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And the chords, the atmospheres, they're so just depressive. They're so um, almost contemplative. 
and 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 it, it just, the songs just go and they they repeat and you just get transported to this like this this calm low. I tend to gravitate towards stuff that's more temporal because it's like, you know, we could talk all day about heavy metal music like giving people emotions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like you know it can be very like emotionally captivating music. But for me, black metal gives me the most emotional response of almost any really? other like metal music. Because to me, when I hear like we're gonna talk about Ulver later. When I hear those guitar harmonies, it's it's it comes more so from the melody captured in, in the guitars, because some of these melodies and harmonies and these riffs, they are so painfully beautiful. Mm-hmm. They are so simple, so like kind of minor and gothic, but they're beautiful melodies, absolutely beautiful guitar parts. Which I mean, if you heard like violins play them, you'd be like, oh, that that's a beautiful piece of classical music. But instead, it's like a really tinny yeah, lo-fi guitar. Wow. And I, I like capturing that beauty in a really ugly package, you know? Brent, are you telling me that the that the shrill, suicidal cries of Papa Roach don't give you as much emotion as... <laughs> Yo, Pop, Papa Roach was never good. I never had nostalgia oh, no, for Papa Roach, thank Papa God. Roach. I agree. Yeah. No, no, de- definitely the shrill cries of uh, of Jonathan Davies of Corn on their first two albums. <laughs> there you that go. gives there me you that, that emotion. <laughs> Daddy gives me that, that emotion. Well, sure. We're speaking of emotions here. And because I really wanted to bring up this aspect, because when I get into a new genre of music or when I have to do these episodes and I find myself researching a new type of music that I've never heard of before or rarely get into, I really try to go situational. Like I try to find a situation in my daily life where this fits with what I'm doing. Like, for example, I'll listen to like some really calming indie rock when I'm doing homework or when I'm walking to class, I'll listen to like, you know, my, my boy's Dinosaur Jr. and stuff. What What's the situation, Brent, because this was difficult for me. What's the situation where you feel like black metal in the background makes that situation? I don't know. It's a case-by-case basis, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll just put it on if I want to hear it. Mm-hmm. I, it's not so much like, oh, I'm doing this. This type of music would be good for that because it's like, Sometimes I'll listen to black metal if I'm trying to go to sleep. Sometimes I'll listen to it when I'm doing homework. Sometimes I'll listen to it if I'm just relaxing, or I'll or if I'm playing Bloodborne, like mm-hmm. like we talked about. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm you know battling the blood starved beast for the twentieth time. <laughs> Actually, beat it first try. I will say that you I beat the blood. I did. I beat you the blood starved beast my first try in Bloodborne. I I swear to God. <laughs> what a man. What a man. But I I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I getting my, I'm getting my I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> Kicked so hard in the game right now. Anyway, I have yeah. no clue what we're talking gamers about rise now. up for black metal. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but well, it's, it's funny you mentioned this. This you mentioned this for sleep. This this I feel like this music would make interesting lullabies. We both fell asleep to it. Which I just is really strange. I, I didn't fall asleep. Oh, first. sorry, me and Brent. Yeah, I thought you did too. Andy. No, not not together. I, weird. But we I, I, fell, fell to, I did listen to this right before places. bed, though. I did listen to this right before bed. Yeah. Um, before I did, but you know, but no. It, w- for, for me, like, to go off what your question was, music is not as situational for me. I just like the art, so I just listen to it when I do. Because sure. That's why I throw on, play my library and shuffle so often is because, like, I just want to see what comes, comes on and comes on, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, if there is a mood, like, I can just see, if you're just, like, I can just see this being, like, if you're just, like, super down, it just, just some sort of slump and you're just depressed in some form like some people like they want to listen to something happy to like kind of bring them out of that some people just want something to match that and i could oh, easily yeah. see yeah. I feel like more people for, would yeah and i feel like this is something that that this is something if people are into this kind of really abrasive music this is something they can probably listen to as something like, okay if and i'm like scream really internally so they're screaming internally or just something where they just like 
like he's like he was talking about all those the melodies and the guitar and how just just that dissonance of this just just crushing sadness that they sometimes display that can probably bring some odd comfort maybe to some people yeah and i feel like if the music wasn't structured the way like a lot of black metal is like very kind of like uh repetitive and stuff like that you'd have a hard time having that kind of engagement with it because it's like with most other heavy music it some people will say like a lot of other heavy stuff's relaxing to them but for me black metal is just a very relaxing genre of heavy music for me and that that's what i the way andrew put it it. the the way andrew and i kind of put it where it's like it's you know it kind of it appeals when you're kind of depressed it shouldn't divert you from listening to this because you get so many emotions i think and so many bands take on the the name of black metal in so many different ways like Mm -hmm. uh, you can you can go all over the board with listening to black metal at least that's what i'm getting out of it yeah and before we get going we are not talking about death heaven today we're not talking about wolves in the throne room we're not talking about the pitchfork black gaze stuff so if you clicked on this hoping to hear me talk about uh sunbather we're not talking about it if you wanted me to talk about all of the 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 modern like american wave of mm. you know black gaze we're not talking about it because are you a fan of that though in isolated cases like I, I i really liked deaf heaven when i first heard about him i thought roads to judah and sunbather were really good albums uh and then after that they t- like totally dropped off and it's like the whole black gaze thing it's like a lot of the times it's kind of a one-trick pony a lot of a lot of the times a lot of bands don't experiment with that sound as good as they could bands like autumn for crippled children they definitely do it amazingly well i'm sorry can you please repeat that band name to me <laughs> uh and autumn for crippled children <laughs> this is i so i i recently went to brent's house and uh, i saw some really <laughs> like interesting you didn't you didn't see the worst of it i probably didn't you're right no, but, but um, the, the one the, my fit my favorite song title though was the one you showed me what was that one band that had the, the song um oh violent straight edge gangs are yeah. government funded <laughs> yeah so but i actually did include um panopticon in here which i believe they're a band from kentucky yeah and they're a band that i think does the black ace thing really interestingly because they incorporate elements of shoegaze elements of black metal but elements of american appalachian folk music which you know my family's from tennessee mm-hmm. i that sound is just part of my family mm-hmm. and it's cool because a big part of european black metal is kind of going back and digging into the folk music of that country of that time period you know of their history so it would make sense that an american black metal band would pull from you know appalachian folk music mm-hmm. to incorporate that in i so well i'm yeah. curious i'm curious to know if we're on the topic of what's mainstream right now do you, how would you perceive our spectrum of black metal that we're going to examine today? If that took the place of the black gaze stuff in kind of the pitchfork mainstream, would that hinder your opinion on it in any sort of way? No, I'm not one of those people where it's just like, you know, if pitchfork covers something, it's just bad now. Mm-hmm. I, it's not so much that it's for Wolf for One bands like, you know, Dark Throne and Burzum, Emperor that we're going to talk about. Those are bands that are embraced by the pitchfork crowd, the mm-hmm. pitchfork crowd still, but they're also bands that are embraced by that crowd because they have to separate them with decades of context. I mean, when you're looking at this music, you have to kind of adopt, you don't have to adopt the history, but the history is as important as you make it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like surrounding yourself with that context, it does kind of give you the full picture. And that's why those bands wouldn't 
even be to that level now because it's like obviously they get canceled in a minute. But uh, if, if they were of that level, I wouldn't really care because in my opinion, these are every band I'm talking about today are basically like mainstream names in black metal. Like they are bigger names. Like a lot of these names aren't very obscure. Anyone who listens to black metal like casually is going to yeah. know who we're talking about today. And that's I didn't want to come here and just give you like 20 of the most obscure bands I could possibly find because I feel that, like you could have I could have done that but I don't feel like that would really help anyone to get into it because no. at the same time you know if we're gonna have a you know an episode on Dinosaur Jr. you know yeah. we're, we're not gonna gloss over you know the most popular albums sure sure mm. so um so pretty much how I wanted when Brent came to me with this idea, the way I wanted to break this episode up as far as what bands we're talking about um, is kind of divided up in as far as what's accessible, like what's someone like me who's, you know, who's into metal, but like hasn't really delved too much into this kind of metal before. What, 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 what would be easy for, 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 for someone like me to dive into? Yeah. And then what are the big names? You know, like what, what, what are, these are like the big names that are in the genre that, you know, everyone who listens to it knows and mm -hmm. um, why they're huge. And then, I'm the, I know I, I I'm not I don't mean this in the same context as uh, Michael would we're say. We're gonna do the Brent picks. Yeah, the Brent picks. You know, one of his personal favorites. Yeah. And now but, we're, but, we're we're gonna be talking about one album in particular, kind of like a classic. I, I know that we don't really do the classics album mm -hmm. you know, every week, but mm -hmm. the album that I'm talking about, I'll save it for later. But in my opinion, it really is a classic of the genre, if not one of the yeah. highest marks of the genre. Yeah. And I think for this episode, we kind of have to. Uh, do the whole Bren pick meme because this is Brent's episode, you know. <laughs> well, I wasn't saying it like because he's I the pretentious know. guy, like you normally would. I mean, I make like, like you normally. Jesus, would. I'm, I, I didn't throw him under the bus like you normally. Would. I don't yeah. think either. I don't no. think Brent's pretentious at I, all. I, I just like I milking that because people always assume I am. No, no. I, I here's the thing. I I completely sympathize with Brent on that because my parents will call me pretentious all the time. Oh, my my parents do it's it like, too. It's it's was so stupid because like I listen to the Beatles. I don't know how much less pretentious I can get than that. Like, I know, I, I'm, I'm one of those people where I, when I scroll on online and people are like, the Beatles are overrated. And I'm like, how are you calling me pretentious? It's like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like flexing that you don't like the Beatles is like the yeah. corniest thing to do. It's like, it really well, is. guess what? You know, the most popular band ever. I, do, I don't like them. Cool. It's, it's yeah. like, cool. Yeah, I, I hate I, I, I just hate that so much. It's about as cool as going on Facebook and being like, hey, I like the Beatles. Okay, just because. Cool. Mm -hmm. I think my dad thinks that because I don't like the Eagles. I think that's pretty much the extent. Not of it. a lot of people do nowadays. I know. I think that's acceptable. He's like, God damn it. Right. Anyways, I imagine, and it's just my guess, and tell me if I'm wrong. A lot of what you have um, in the list of like what's accessible is probably part of what so a lot of people would call the proto black metal stage. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, and. You know, since we kind of phrased accessible that way, I'm going to include some of the, that black gazy stuff that I mentioned before, like the, the sure. Panopticon and the Deaf Heavens and stuff like that, because, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, that's how a lot of people are kind of getting into black metal mm -hmm. nowadays through those types of bands. So maybe I'll briefly touch on them. Yeah, but, but yeah bands like Venom, Sodom, Bathory, Creator, Merciful Fate, and especially Celtic Frost, because Celtic Frost is probably the biggest puzzle piece in the transition from the first wave of black metal to the second wave and i don't think any band has had a bigger influence than celtic frost and by you know extension hellhammer those are probably the two bands that mm -hmm. have had the biggest biggest influence on the sound of black metal yeah we did we could we did kind of establish this before the episode where we're kind of formulating a starting point of what 
most people think is like mainstream metal, uh, the stuff that came from the 80s or, um, you know, the really classic stuff like Sabbath and, and Zeppelin. Like we're using that as a starting point and kind of going from there to benefit the casual listener. Because um, most of that proto stuff started in the 80s, right? Yeah. So there you go. You can kind of use that era as your starting point. And I, I think we were there. talking about this before. I think Brent kind of agreed on this. It's it's a really like going from like thrash to from like even some Slayer is fairly close. I would argue to, to sounding to Venom. Mm-hmm. You know, going from like you know that from Metallica, even like compete. early Megadeth, you going to, to Venom yeah. and Celtic Frost isn't a huge leap, and right. it's it is a good stepping stone to getting to. I would argue, at least from my from my perception. But if you, but if you were to compare the Metallica and the Megadeth to like like Burzum, no, it's, it's, you can't it's do night it. and day. Of course, you like had bands like Black Sabbath. And, yeah. you know, darkness and Satanism's always been, you know, the occult. That's always been a part of metal. But uh, bands like Venom, Bathory, they almost wore it as like an like an identity to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they they try to make you think that they were a band for Satan, and that kind of was like a a tip of the iceberg of what would come. Yeah, yeah. I think most of those mainstream bands use Thrash, the name Thrash, to kind of like. You listen to this music to go crazy and have fun, and they throw like the evil messages on there as kind of like a plus, I guess. Well, a lot of it but, was well, I, I was, was included not sorry, like not sincerely. A lot yeah. of it was yeah. kind of like these weren't actual Satanists, like mm-hmm. the, the first wave people. These were no. people that were just exploring aesthetics and trying to shock people. And you know, I, I, th- I think, I mean. I, I, I kind of get what you're saying with that, but I would argue it's just kind of a side point that, you know, a lot of thrash and I don't know, I'll, I don't know, maybe you can tell me if, if this is also the case with the proto, um, the proto black metal bands, but, you know, a lot of thrash, I mean, they, a lot of people, like, they think, oh, lyrics are just something you can pass off with metal. I don't tend to think that, especially even with thrash metal, because, yeah, a lot of the musicality, yeah, some of it's just to have fun, to headbang to, but mm-hmm. I argue that sometimes it does extend the lyrics because oh, the yeah. li- lyrics are, are you can't listen to and justice for all without thinking the lyrics or, yeah, or, shit. or uh you know most megadeth yeah, yeah. A lot of, well nowadays it's best to go with the lyrics <laughs> on megadeth but you know but, but yeah but, but back then when they when david stain wasn't a fucking lunatic uh you can uh listen you can listen to you know rust in peace you can listen to the you know, holy peace wars sells. peace cells obviously and like wow no these, these are messages you can get behind these messages you can understand and then then you have bathory which is talking about you know just like to follow the left hand path and stuff like that and it's mm-hmm. clearly like a lot of these black metal bands are not talking about politics they're right. talking about very esoteric like spirituality or they're talking about nature i can't tell you how many black metal bands their biggest like lyrical point is nature Mm-hmm. Like, like they they love nature. They love the woods. I don't know why most of them aren't vegans, but they're like, hmm. in like they they look they well, they're like environmentalists because they're eating each other's brains. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> right. We'll get to yeah. that later. Well, you guys you guys examined the more proto stuff more than I did. That wasn't included in the playlist that Brad uh, made for Andrew. And well, I, some of it was Ven- Ven- Venom and like the Celtic Frost. But like, you had to send me. Uh, um, merciful fate. Merciful that's why I really. That's why I really want to know. What did you think of Merciful Fate? Merciful Fate was cool, but like, I listened to that after all of the newer black metal stuff. So like, going backwards is hard, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then at the same time, I'm also kind of still healing from hair metal. So like, hearing, <laughs> hearing anything '80s hurts yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah. Like, honestly, I don't prefer the Aww. first wave stuff as much because I was going to ask that. If what would you think? Yeah. Of it? I, I look. There's bands like Bathory and Venom that. I like more so for context. Like, I appreciate them more. I respect it more. Mm. But, like, Celtic Frost for me is, like, where it kind of starts for me with that older sound. Because to me, I'm sure someone will disagree, but, like, when I 
hear the black metal that I love, I don't hear the Bathory influence as much. I hear the Celtic Frost influence. You know, and which which I, I can definitely see because, you know, as you mentioned, thrash for, you know, the, 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 the proto-black metal stuff is just evil thrash metal, and which I can see, which is probably why I enjoy it mm-hmm. more so because honestly if i have all, all the stuff in the i'm playlist, also just not big into thrash yeah which which again i which is which which again i get but like obviously from someone like me who's a thrash fan brent punch me all you want i don't care like of all the stuff you put in here venom would probably be the one it's like i enjoyed the most and celtic frost it's stuff i'd actually i actually do like not that super into venom but like of course i knew black metal i knew hounds of hell and other stuff and a bit of celtic frost too so like that stuff i actually will listen to regularly because it's something i could get into mm-hmm. and you know and to touch back on merciful fate again i'm a huge king diamond fan i love his solo stuff even though his solo stuff is not really black metal at all no. and and our and inarguably merciful fate is only like touch touches on it a bit but like you know i mean the most black metal thing about king diamond is his face paint probably i would Tend I to mean, think, yeah. There yeah. were there still were components of Merciful Fate that I liked. Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Like, I actually I would say like, and I'll just establish this right now. Out of all this experience, I enjoyed Brent's black metal more than the proto black metal. But I okay. think that's just because I it, that's what I subjected myself to first. And so I, I, I think the reason why I like that stuff more is because that's what I started listening to when I listened yeah. to black. Yeah, metal. and I, I think that happens with a lot of people because I can't tell you many times like if someone asks my favorite song from a band favorite album a lot of times the thing i i i was introduced to first the one i came across first it's like that, that that's what you kind of get a hold on to and obviously for me I, I i this is again like michael this is my first time listening to um you know this kind of black metal before it was layouts a lot of the, the proto stuff you know um you mentioned creator earlier in sodom uh, as well as um obviously merciful fate that's what i knew beforehand so and, and it's just based it's more closer to stuff that i was already really into as well so that's probably why i'm drawn to to this part of it more so than the other and and as to other factors which i'll get into later and i'm sure all the the church burners want to come and hunt me down but Burn you yeah but like the, the other big thing is it's like when i think of the sound of black metal I feel like the sound of black metal got set in stone with the second wave stuff because it's like when you think yeah. of black metal, yeah. when you think of how the genre is set up and like 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 its stereotypes, like when people make fun of black metal, they're mm-hmm. making fun of the second wave. Yeah. They're making fun of the things that came from that. They're not making fun of Bathory because Bathory, like when, when you hear it, if, if, if you only heard, you know, from the 90s onward, then you go back and listen to Bathory or something, you're like, this it's, almost this doesn't tame. even sound like black metal. It, it, you know? it's, it's tame, and it's just, and it's just kind of like, you only hear traces of it. Yeah. Which is which is funny, because obviously, uh, I think a very easy point to make this is with the proto-punk bands of like the late 60s, you know, you got your Stooges and your MC5s. Mm-hmm. Well, you can certainly, especially with certain songs, like, you know, kick out the jams, you can hear quite a bit of like, what would later on to be in punk music, but even then, when you li- when you listen to Funhouse for for God's sake, like that 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 record kind of goes all over the place. It's for they they horns in there and not like in a ska sense. They 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 they, they go in a lot of different directions. I love the Funhouse album. Of course, it's fucking Funhouse, but mm-hmm. but obviously you don't really when you listen to Fun Funhouse. I don't know if the first thing you think of is the Ramones. Right, jump right. jump to mind. Yeah, you hear in, you hear traces of it, but you don't hear what would later become on like the full punk sound. And you know, so yeah, it's, at first it may, it may be hard for someone to go back and listen to the first Stooges album if, if they're really into the punk stuff. I can, or if I can, they grew up with hardcore to go back and listen to the it, Ramones. You know what I mean, and right, yeah. right, exactly. And in this case, it's hard for someone who's into the 
your kind of black metal brunt to go back and listen to the proto stuff. It, it's all matters on where you start. And for me, I started with with this, and I think I really fall into this because it's it's really good, man. I think it's really set in stone. Like I just think you really need to listen to Creator Michael, though. I think you'll <laughs> send it over. Really unoriginal, but obviously, like I would go for the song "Black Metal" by Venom. I mean, obviously, for the classic, what's considered proto-black metal, I mean, it, there's really, like, not much more <laughs> mainstream you can go with that. But I will also say that um, if, if, especially after, if, if someone listening to this episode goes into a guess, traditional idea of, you know, Norwegian black metal, I highly recommend Creator. I know I've mentioned them a couple times. I love, they're, they're probably become one of my favorite thrash bands, but the reason why I kind of bring them up in here, because I do hear some traces of the, of the kind of Norwegian black metal with them. They, especially with like their last album, there's a lot of, last few records actually, they've used a lot of like open chords with their stuff. There's, it's kind of like that tremolo picking mixed in with like riffing. And it even has a really like rough vocal stylings that the other uh, lead singer does. So th that I would argue is like actually a really good bridge between like, you know, death and thrash to black metal. So, yeah, I'd agree. So, like, and for them, uh, definitely their song Phantom Antichrist, that's from their album two years ago. It's great. Gods of Violence is a great song from the last record. But the whole last record, actually, I would also really recommend. So from this kind of stylings of it, that's what I would recommend. For me, since, like, I really just kind of, it was Venom, and then Andrew sent me Merciful Fate later in the week. Um, but I found Come to the Sabbath by, Mer by Merciful Fate. Yes. That was, that was a jam and a half. Like, um... It was probably my favorite out of the trifecta of yeah. songs that you sent me by Merciful Fate. I, uh, my favorite out of that would be, it's, a, again, it's an easy choice, but uh, Dangerous Meeting. Yeah, but like, Two. The, like the, there's this riff at the beginning of Come to the Sabbath um, where it's like it switches from electric and then does this little acoustic lick, but it doesn't use it through the rest of the song, which really bummed me out. But like, <laughs> it, it goes into this gallop that's very organic. It's very It sounds very clean. Mm -hmm. And then it does this interlude at around 3.30 in the song, I can hear later in black and in, in the later stuff. So it's kind of like a perfect metal ballad that 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 that's a good transition into what would come later. I gotta recommend Celtic Frost. I gotta do something from Morbid Tales. Mm -hmm. I can't do it from Cold Lake or any of the other well, yeah, later Cold albums. Lake's the one that everyone hates, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like when they were a little bit hair metal-esque. Yeah. Well, closest to it they ever got. But uh, I'm gonna recommend either Visions of Mortality or Morbid Tales. All got... the bands you mentioned to start is what we're recommending. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Between but, uh... the three of us. Right.
So are we moving to the second wave? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the big this, names now, I guess. So these are like the big names of what's considered like traditional black metal. When you right? say black metal, when you Google black metal, this is what comes up basically. Okay. Dark um, Throne. It was the first result for me. Dark Throne, Mayhem, Burzum, Immortal, Emperor, Dissection, Carpathian Forest, Behemoth. And unfortunately, if I'm going to include, like, big names in here, I'm just going to throw this out there because I think it's a name that maybe the most, like, uninitiated listener would probably recognize, mm -hmm. Cradle of Filth. If you've at least heard of Cradle of Filth, I'm maybe, slightly familiar with maybe you have an idea of what, like, I only threw Cradle of Filth in there for people that have no context of what we're talking about. It's <laughs> like, a, I'm throwing you a bone here. Uh, the first question I have regarding this stuff, and it, even before we get into the musicality of it, and I, I think this is kind of the elephant in the room we have to address is obviously the, I guess, the reputation of these of, of these bands, yes. you know. You know, it's sort of like, you know, church burnings, murders, crimes, you know, you kind of mentioned them. Like, uh, like it, first of all, like, what specifics, like, do people, like, these crimes and these reputations, do people kind of associate with them? Yeah. And then do you think it unfairly overshadows the music nowadays? Because that's all people think about when it comes to black That was gold. a big question for me. What are the stereotypes and how do you prove them wrong, Brent? Well, you don't. Well, you don't prove them wrong <laughs> because the stereotypes are usually accurate. Wow. Um, anyone that knows anything about black metal knows black metal fans are like the worst fans in any in any like musical discussion. They're just a very irritating group to argue with or talk talk to. But going back to the crime stuff, yeah. Um, I I didn't want to have to like give a big. You don't have to. No, 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 no. I know, I know. But like, that's a reputation that we have to address. But at the same time. I think that most people kind of associate the crime with it because it was kind of it was kind of inserted with it by design. Because I mean, a lot of these bands during the second wave, I mean, did did these acts as almost kind of badges of honor. Almost, mm -hmm. it was kind of like to separate yourself. Because I mean, we talked a little bit before the episode recorded um, when we we're talking about someone like Burzum, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Burzum's a YouTuber now. He makes YouTube videos, and you can, <laughs> really? you can watch. Yeah. Um, what kind of what kind of shit is it? Like vlogs. Oh yeah. Right. Um, you know, he he got it. He served, you know, a long time in so prison. Twenty years. About twenty years for murdering Euronymous. Um, mayhem. For mayhem. Okay. And I don't want to get into all of the drama and my. You can go Google it. It's more fun for you to go yeah. seek it out. But, you know, he did twenty years for murder. Recorded some albums in prison during that time. But, Great albums, in your opinion. Yeah, very, very good. I, I like a lot of Burzum's material. But the thing about Burzum, and we talked about this beforehand, is people like him, they harken back to this idea of a pre-Christian Europe mm -hmm. or a pre-liberal Europe. So when we examine, you know, the crimes and, and the, the reputations of some of these people, these were people that were, like, by all extents and purposes, like, people that were ostracized from society. These were people that hated the society that they lived in. They were very like politically and socially alienated people. Some, maybe you could argue by their own actions and by, by themselves, but I mean, you can't really separate the crime from it because it's almost like, why would you separate if they kind of wanted it to be affiliated with it? Mm -hmm. They wanted it to be this very kind of notorious uh, underbelly. And it's like another point I made, you know, we're talking about America early 90s, we got the alternative rock revolution. You got right. Sonic Youth blown up. You got Dinosaur Jr. blown up. You have Nirvana as the biggest thing yeah, in the world, yeah. the whole grunge revolution. And then in Norway and Europe, you got people shooting McDonald's. You got people burning churches. You have people murdering 
people in other bands and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, you had the real deal there. Like, there's no other way I can describe it. And it's like, that's not me saying that these people are right for doing anything or wrong for doing anything. I'm saying these, you can't tell me that these people weren't sincere. You can't tell me that, in my opinion, when you get into heavy music, you know, these people were committed to being like the real authentic thing. You know, they wanted to keep anyone that wasn't, you know, quote, supposed to be there out. Mm -hmm. So it's like doing these actions, it almost seemed like, well, yeah, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to, like, I mean, bands like Absurd from Germany, they they were like 16-year-olds and they they murdered someone, you know? I mean, these, these were people that maybe you wouldn't want to go bump into, but they were also people that were coming from, you know, the, the, the political surroundings that they were very antagonistically towards what was happening around them. They had very strong anti-liberal biases that I can understand, very strong anti-Christian biases, which... Historically, I can understand when you look at Christian imperialism, but I'm not here to give like a, a moral, you know, slap on the wrist to any of these bands. It's more like take this history and apply it as you see fit. I think that this reputation that especially the Norwegian bands have garnered, do you think it's unfairly overshadowed, been overshadowed the music over the past few years? I think people focus, I think people focus on it too much to try to maybe negatively lambast the music because I mean sometimes you don't see it too often but I feel like sometimes people do kind of focus too much on the notoriety of these things because like the thing I think about the least are those crimes right because mm -hmm. the things that I fell in love with are the music I, I I loved the music before I learned about the crimes these people committed and in my opinion that's kind of that that's what stands the test of time that's like when we go back and we appreciate these bands, we appreciate the records, mm -hmm. the sounds. We don't, you know, oh, like, remember when so-and-so did the crime? It's, right. no, I, they made these amazing, like, documents that changed the face of heavy music, maybe even music, like, period. I mean, it's not every day that an entire new genre of metal kind of, like, gets emboldened. And in my opinion, in the 90s, black metal was emboldened. You know, Europe went through its alternative rock revolution that we had in America, but theirs was with black metal, and that is so much cooler. That is such a cooler, oh, well, the Britain cooler history. Britpop's even less cool. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm just saying it. That's not the only, but only alternative. Oh yeah, it's not the only alternative. Okay, first of all, for, I like Britpop. Shut up. Anyways, you uh, like blur over Gorillas, which is blasphemy to me. No, but anyway, fuck you. God, gorillas no. is I, I. Gorillas is fine. I respect them. I don't. I'm not. Don't really get them. Blur is great. They're better than Oasis. I'm not. We're not having this debate right now. Right, I'm just right. saying you're wrong. Let's. But, um. But it is funny you mention that because someone like Guns N' Roses to me, like I do, kind of equate equate this with like you know Guns N' Roses with me because when I first got into them, like when I first heard Paradise City. I mean, I didn't know Ox Wife was a wife beater. I didn't know that. You know, it's just like I thought the music was good, and I know you two disagree, and that's fine. But like you know, that's that's kind of how I. So I, li I liked music, and then when I later on to learn how much of a dickhead he is, you know, it's like, yeah, it makes some of the songs a little awkward. To it's listen the same to. thing with me. I I liked Dinosaur Junior before I knew Jay was going to sh make me shake his water bottle. Yeah, you know? like, and, and I, I, I think I, I that's like I just, the least egregious thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, think it's kind of on the same. It's kind of on the same thing where it's like you can't equate the the artist with the with the music. We we bring this theme back all the time, and that's that's prevalent in black metal. Yeah, and it's like, you know, we, we've kind of had a little bit of, like, controversy on campus lately with, you know, hate speech and stuff like that. So I don't want people 
thinking that I'm talking about these bands, trying to defend anything that they believe or whatever. Um, that's not the argument I'm trying to make. You know, in my opinion, people that do terrible things that make music, I mean, if, if you have an opinion with terrible people making music, you have a problem with terrible people having an outlet. Yeah. And in my opinion, why shouldn't they have an outlet? Mm -hmm. I mean, I... I'd rather them have that outlet than kill people. I mean, they they they, they do both. They do two birds, one stone in some <laughs> yeah, cases. In, in some cases, but uh, in 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 other cases, you know, I I think that you can fully love and appreciate the music of people that are, you know, by your standards unsavory or you know, yeah. terrible people. But I don't think that really reflects on you. Yeah. And I, I I don't know why we burden ourselves with that mm -hmm. responsibility. So so now that we kind of covered the history and. Now we can talk about the music. Every, let's get back in the music. Yes, yeah. please. Let's start our transition from the proto stuff to this main spectrum of black metal. What are the key differences, Brent? So this How is they set it in stone. So to be a little bit more clear, I'm kind of talking about '90s black metal here. Yeah. So um, the big difference for me is riffs. The big difference for me is this is where the song structure of black metal really took off. Mm -hmm. And the biggest band of this is Dark Throne. I think. I mean, Dark Throne to me has the most typified, you know black metal sound of this time because they were the band that pushed it to like the most minimal space where it's like albums like you know a blaze in a northern sky and soul side journey those were albums that had you know some black metal influences but they were still indebted to some death metal tendencies whereas you know with uh under a funeral moon transylvanian hunger Panzerfaust, which is my favorite uh dark throne album ever one of my favorite albums just of all time period mm -hmm. Um, it became less and less about these like 10 minute song structures that have, you know, different riffs and stuff. And it became more about a uh, hypnotic repeating riff and idea to where it's the entire song is basically two riffs being repeated over and over at a crazy fast volume with tremolo picks and blast beats. It's just every single song. It's just this hypnotic ding, ding. ding and it's just like you're, mm -hmm. you're, that was the big difference for me. It became hypnotic, yeah. and that's what pulled me into it. Because like these bands were the bands I got into black metal through. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was like, oh, that's what makes black metal black metal. That 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 repetitive structure of you know uh, the, the tremolo picks and creating that wall of sound with guitars. What would you say is the band that pioneered uh, the lo-fi aspect of it that we touched on at the beginning of it? What band started that to where you want to keep the you know the, the normies out? I I don't know like who started it necessarily i think the the person that like made it most uh kind of part of the sound it's kind of shared between dark throne and burzum and you know if i say dark throne i have to extend that to isengard as well which we're going to talk about isengard more mm -hmm. but, but i i'd say dark throne and burzum burzum probably more so especially because burzum was a one-man project yeah. and that's kind of a staple now in black metal too where it's like a one-man project recording everything themselves on whatever equipment they can get i mean burt Varg, the guy behind Burzum, 
he was screaming into, you know, a headphone mic. I mean, like, that's something you're told never to do. But he was mm -hmm. like, no, you know, uh, the people that aren't supposed to be here, you know, they, they, they're not supposed to be here. The people that want to be here are the people that are willing to listen through this to get the, the enjoyment of the music, you know? And I've, I've heard that point a lot uh, made. I think I think it was even Anthony DeFantano. In one of his videos, he someone actually asked that question. Well, well shouldn't, shouldn't these black metal bands try to make them, like, more, themselves more appealing to others? And he's like, no, because the, the, the whole point of them is they don't want to be appealing to others. Like, mm -hmm. their whole thing is, like, um, they, they, they want to be less mainstream. They want to make sure that, you know, keep the quote-unquote posers out of the right. whole thing. They want to make sure people who actually will enjoy the music are in here. And that's how they want to make the music. I mean, you, you can't tell them not to. I mean, yeah. that, that's how they're going to make it. And and another point I want to make with the low fidelity is it's like, um, you know, we talked about Dinosaur Jr. last week. We talked yeah. about Lou Barlow Sebado, and, you know, yeah. Sebado, you know, uh, experimenting with lo-fi music in that way. You know, there's that appeal in low fidelity, it creates these weird distortions and these weird textures to the sound that mm -hmm. you lose with higher fidelity recording equipment. And there's this love of that sound, that that nostalgia for being like a uh, like a homegrown producer or something, mm -hmm. where you have to work with what you got and create mm -hmm. these experiments yourself. And I like that aspect to, to black metal because a lot of these guys were recording these albums, which are now classics, these demos, on little four tracks yeah. themselves that they got from a buddy and they they, they, they just made it in their bedroom. Yeah. And, and, and to that, that to me is like, you know, that got lost in the 80s with, you know, a lot of the bigger metal bands that blew up and everything. It felt like metal in the mainstream sense got really, really commercial. So it was cool to see this rebellious wave come from Europe, which is like we're, we're removing the glamour, we're removing the sheen entirely. I mean, I, I mean here's the thing. When it comes to that, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on, like, the whole of metal in the 80s. I mean, when you talk about low f no fidelity with black metal, I, I, I will agree with the, the sense that, um, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these bands, with, with the way they play, especially the guitar tones and how they wanted to come across, I don't think they would work as well if they were highly produced. Yeah. Again, there were a couple, like, again, Arcanum and Marduk, uh, the ones you put in the playlist, they kind of break that mold. They seem to... They seem to actually bring in like a producer or oh, something yeah. in there. Plenty of bands. I throw, yeah. throw dissection in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Even in the night, not all '90s bands were recording with like the bare minimum of like terrible technology. Mm. I mean, bands like Immortal, I think, had amazing production on their albums, like um, on Pure Holocaust and Diabolical Full Moon Mysticism. I would, I would agree on Pure Holocaust. The other, the other one that you put from in here, I did not. Production was not good. It's not as good, but I mean, compared to some other bands, they had a pretty clean sound. And Emperor, Emperor had just a, a amazing sound. Emperor is very grandiose. Yeah, it's very grandiose. Then you see Dark Throne mm -hmm. uh, approach like this grandiose songwriting. Like there are Dark Throne songs where the riff itself, to me, is just so. I hate to use the word, but so epic mm -hmm. and so grandiose in its melody. It's like yeah. now this is epic. It. it ugh, <laughs> I, I hate. I hate using that word, but you know. You know what I mean. Like it's so like. Uh, thunderous in, in, in its melody that it doesn't need the big production and mm -hmm. I, I i i just love that like more lo-fi approach to it because you know i grew up listening to a lot of hardcore mm -hmm. a lot of old hardcore was recorded in like you know you know uh three hours on like really bad budgets you go back and listen to like the breakdown demo and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's recorded kind of crappy but like that's how you grew up listening to bands you know yeah. and especially if you grew up in the underground during that time in like, you know, cassette trading culture and stuff. If you grew up in a band in that scene, 
that that to me would have been the coolest thing. It's like, oh, so now it's like the demo tape is the album. Right. And it, it's just so direct from artist to fan that that relationship has always had appeal to me. I'm going to I'm I'm going to give you this statement. Do you do, so do you think that Dark Throne and Burzum and those type of the lo-fi productions the those are the more popular ones out of the the big names? I think that cuz if that's the case it's an interesting concept that the low production is what became the most beloved. Well, it's funny cuz Burzum I think is more so popular because of the notoriety mm-hmm. around, you know, the murder and everything. Yeah. And just kind of based on who he is. but And same with Dark Throne. I mean, they're so popular because, I mean, Transylvanian Hunger is the black metal album. If I Google black metal right now, the artwork for Transylvanian Hunger will come up. That's mm-hmm. like the first result. And yeah, that's a very lo-fi album. So it's cool to me. It's interesting to me how it's like a pinnacle of the genre Yeah, is this album that is like by traditional recording standards incompetently recorded. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. on Panzerfaust, the vocals are uh, side-chained. So it's like when the vocals come in, other instruments get slightly quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is clearly just like a rudimentary recording practice. And it, to me, it's like, when they were recording the album, they're like, that's the best vocal sound we can get. It's like, okay, then that's it. And that is just so cool to me. That that feels so or- organic and real to me. And it's, mm-hmm. that, that, that you lose that in Metallica. You lose mm-hmm. that in, you know, other bigger metal acts. Yeah. So right when I say this, I do mean this in the utmost sincerity. I'm not insulting you. Is Eisenkart supposed to be a joke? Because that's kind of what I got from listening to him. This was honestly one of the goofiest things I ever heard in my life. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm so- I just think that's so funny coming from a bad religion fan. Jesus. I just think that is what so funny. What a go? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But uh, no, Isengard's not a joke. But what's funny is the guy behind it, Fenris, he's surprised people like it as much as they do. I mean, so, I mean, maybe, maybe you're onto something here. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Isengard for me, you know, Isengard is a one man project of Fenris, who is like one of the basically the mastermind behind Dark Throne. He played primarily drums in Dark Throne, mm-hmm. but Dark Throne's not a one-man band. There's There were other members, but uh, Isengard was this one-man recording project that Fenris did. He recorded some demos, and they were put out onto compilations, but literally everything he recorded during his time with Isengard, I think, typifies every single great sound and trend that was going on in black metal during that time. You had the really folksy metal 
uh, in, in black metal. You had the more war metal stuff. You had the very like Dark Throne esque stuff that mm-hmm. sounded like it could have gone on to another Dark Throne album. You had uh, some like ambient synth stuff, mm-hmm. some like amp, uh, synth interludes, which you know pay homage to you know, like the dungeon synth stuff that that came later and stuff that Burzum was doing with his ambient stuff. It's all captured there, and it's like Fenris had a finger on that whole genre, and he was like, he, I mean. Fenris essentially changed the genre. One person you can clearly identify changed the way that that entire genre sounds. And like Isengard is like a great place to see that influence more and more. And I know, I know you think it's jo- it's funny, but I, I I fucking love Isengard. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I didn't think it was absolutely terrible. It's just, it's just some of this. Well, just, what was so funny, like jokey like, about a, it? It's funny enough because actually, when when some of his vocals went cleaner which I'll, I'll explain why that's funny to me in a second but like just when some of that he had that weird almost like viking as chant style to singing that's so sick and i, I mean I, I don't know i just found it to be kind of goofy to me i, I just yeah, like sure. I, I honestly found it to be deep. oh it's adorable he's like a little odin worshiper you that's what it sounded like to me i mean i didn't think it was bad and i'm very split if i do say so myself because I really wanted to like Isengard because I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but, Same. And but, Burzum, Burzum comes from Lord of the Rings, too. That's really? The, that's the orcish word for darkness. Shit. All right. Okay. <laughs> Yo, we I got like. a Sil- Silmarillion fan in the house. Oh, yeah. So it should be also noted that I've never seen Lord of the Rings. So maybe what? That's why I didn't. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? I don't like fantasy stuff very much. It's not really my thing. Wow. But, Man, see, when I was a kid, the biggest thing in the world to me was Mega Man. And Lord of the Rings. I yeah. see. I was streaming with Star Wars. I, mean, I was. I, I was, like Star Wars. I was more. I was always more of a Star Wars guy than I ever. I, got into I rewatched Lord of the Rings. all the Harry Potters and all the Lord of the Rings a month ago, all in one month. <laughs> True. I, I, I mean, I did like Harry Potter when I was younger, and I regret that. Regret that now. Here's my stance on Isengard, where like I can definitely see Andrew's point of view, where it's a little, it's a little cringy, it's a little hard, <laughs> it's, it's a little like it's except little, the cringe. Yeah, like, <laughs> like a song like the Dark Lord of Gorgoroth, like <laughs> Gorgoroth. Excuse me. Uh, you know, for some reason, like the whole day I was listening to the playlist that when I shuffled it, this was the one that came up first. So like it marinated me for a long time with me for a long time, but. Uh, but what yeah, really, t- all but, but what really took me for Isengard was a song like "Storm of Evil." The song yeah. abandons like the screaming style, and like you get the clean vocals pa- paired with like kind of more upbeat riffs. Yeah, and then it incorporates bagpipes, which is fucking awesome. That's I'm, what I'm talking I'm about, like the folk, the folk music aspect, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, I thought some of that was interesting. I, I'm, like I said, again, I didn't think it was straight up terrible. I thought it was interesting, but I, I will, like Michael said, I just thought there were some questionable moments in here. It's, I think, and I think this definitely defines what Isengard was, where it's kind of like. All right, we're going to throw some ideas out. 
and the rest of the bands and eventually, you know, what Dark Throne would be, would become, would take some of these ideas, pick and choose, take some of the, those ideas and run with them. And it's mm-hmm. like the whole folk music thing. Folk music is really important to the genre because Fenris has this other project called Storm. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just black metal covers of like Norwegian folk music hmm. that he does with uh, the dude from Satyricon. I am so used to people laughing at me for liking black metal because it's like black metal is kind of seen as like a a thing within my circle of people that I have online. It's mm-hmm. a joke. You shouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should like, uh, I don't know, anything else instead. But I love black metal. I know it's cringy. I know some of it is very goofy. I like black metal. I can completely understand how that sounds ridiculous because mm-hmm. it does kind of, but at the same time, it's like, I like it. You yeah. Know? I wasn't saying the whole genre as a whole. I was just I referring know, to I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I want to make sure I understood that. All right. So like, like, like we said earlier, just Brent, I want to go into some of your favorites from this, I guess, era or this like kind of classification yeah. of black, black um, metal. Okay, well... For 90s stuff, second wave, I have to mention, you know, obviously Dark Throne, but obviously, 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 Emperor. Emperor is one of the best bands in black metal, period. Uh, In the Nightside Eclipse is a classic by every extent of the word. That symphonic element, Mm -hmm. that's what separates them so much. And and that sound I love in black metal. When black metal bands incorporate synthesizers, when they incorporate strings. yeah. Yeah. Icing on cake right there. It's just, it's a beautiful pairing. stood out was uh, a dissection song called uh, Night's Blood. Yes. Yeah, this was a kick-ass song. Going from a little more of the sludgy material and then going back into something fast-paced mm-hmm. um, with, like, you know, pretty pretty pitch-perfect production, too. The guitars um, have, like, this perfect pre-chorus melody around, like, 145. Um, like, the drums, I like how the drums are done on the song. I wish other bands would replicate how the drums are played on... In, in this band specifically. Um, the acoustic interlode is simplistic, but it transitions perfectly into like this duet, um, like kind of chorus thing afterwards. This is the style of black metal that for me is definitely like, this is where I want to be.
dissection seems to have a little bit of like a black and death metal influence too. Yeah. So they're a bit more like traditionally heavy too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so I should break into a caveat, and this is where I think all, I think a lot of metal fans, not just black metal fans, are just gonna come and crucify me. Here's here's my thing, and I've and this is this is how I've always been since I've been into music, especially metal. Mm-hmm. The, the don't say it. Don't don't use the the term. What term? Just keep going. I'll I'll I'll, oh, I know I'll bring term. I'll bring it up. Okay, if you do. So, the the uh, whole as far as clean and screaming vocals, I'll admit when I first even be, well before like early on to music, I had that very wrong misconception that all metal is just this screaming bullshit that is just mm-hmm. so abrasive that no one should ever listen to it. And then obviously, I then I realized, oh, Black Sabbath is considered metal. Oh, and then I listened to Metallica. This actually sounds pretty cool. And obviously, that whole thing shattered me, shattered my perception of that. But even though I've, I've struggled with, you know, granted that the, the actual post between clean and screaming vocals has... I, I, I've been I've been sliding more so like my tolerance for it like what I can handle. I mean, now I love Creator and there and th- that's kind of a little before my like kind of like borderline where I can do it. I, I'm much more like tolerable and even listening to this, I, I'm growing more accustomed to, to, to hearing it. At the same time, it's not something I'm gonna go on my way to listen to. So for me, I think this is a theme for a lot of this, especially when you start getting into this kind of music. I love the instrumentation. I thought the instrumentation was really interesting, and I could listen to that aspect. But the the what I can only listen to I can only listen to that for so long before it's like okay this is old now I, so I don't you want would to say it. you have no picks from this no I do I do have plenty I'm just okay. saying this, as a caveat that's like so that's kind of my point that I got from this well you know it's funny I never mentioned it before or I guess I didn't think about it before but I I think vocally black metal is a giant influence too because before. I heard bands like that, like, you know, a lot of the second wave black metal bands, Mm -hmm. you typically didn't hear vocalists try to orate. And I'm not just saying with like screen vocals, it's like, you know how a lot of black metal bands, they make it sound so like goblin-esque and almost Mm -hmm. like inhuman. And then pairing that with a really bad production, what else could I want? What yeah. else could I, I want? I, 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 and, I get- and, I, and I think it also pairs like a big influence and it makes sense with a lot of like, and I'm not saying that you can't think this way. I'm just saying this like to jump off it. That fantasy element, the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings element. I mean, it kind of makes sense why they would vocally like be like try to emulate something otherworldly. Like we mm-hmm. talked about Dungeon Synth and I, I talked about Mortis. Mortis puts himself in like full face makeup to look like a goblin. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's corny. Yeah, it's silly. But it's like like I... I, I understand it. You know I, what I mean. I, mean, I, I understand why people like it too. Just for me, as far as like, yeah. I mean, death. It's not just black metal. Death metal. Certain strains of screamo. You know, all that. All that stuff. It's like where they use. Yeah, I showed you Jerome's dream, and he didn't like that either. No, yeah. it's, it, it, it's there's only so far as I can go. Before I would hate it. Now it's like I don't hate. I don't straight up hate that vocaling style. It's just not something I go off my way to listen to. You know, it's not something that is is appealing to me. As not, not even like straight up clean vocals. I mean, I don't need fucking power metal like to, to, to enjoy metal. I don't need that clean of vocals. It's just, you know, I'm okay with mix. I'm okay with harmonizing clean with, with, with you know, rougher vocal silence like this. I think that's really interesting when it's done well. But again, not to say that, you know, there were even vocally some bands that I can stomach and some bands I would probably go back and revisit pretty often now that I can say, 
Um, for me, like dissection, I know you'd mentioned. Yeah. I, I love dissection because I got a lot of thrash elements from them. So obviously that's why I draw. And again, the production was interesting. Um, I like the mayhem and the Burzum stuff that you put in there as well. Burzum uh, was a very close second. Yeah, me. Burzum was actually pretty good. And, uh, Love. you know, but even again, stuff like Emperor, I loved it. The inspir like, uh, the song I picked from Emperor is, um, A Fine Day to Die. minutes it starts a really cool in intro with with, the, with all the, the acoustics and like kind of like those weird you know those kind of like uh, softer vocals and then it jumps right into it it felt like a threat it felt like structure like a thrash song even kind of like a progressive metal song yeah how it, let, it, let it be known that like this will prove that Andrew does like long songs I when did I say that at when did well, I know like that you always like in the tool episode you criticize long songs in the dinosaur episode you criticize long songs but here's the proof that you can like a long song I, I can't and usually a lot of times it is because it's a metal like I think that's where long songs strive their best is within the metal genre like it just and, and then not even just with particular subject this is a whole I think that's where it long songs strive the best like the keys make this album so yes, enjoyable and I it's agree. like when you hear these like haunting like like you know, when you hear that, it is just so. Yeah. I just picture like a witch in a tower about to, you know, destroy mm -hmm. a village, and I'm playing Bloodborne <laughs> and listening to Emperor, and I am just going so and hard. watching Lord of the Rings, and I'm beating Dark Beast well, Parl's ass. I, I, I wonder if on oh, I wonder if you can like play one of these out. Like you know how like, everyone says like I, I find it to be absolute bullshit, but you know how some people say that like. Uh, was it Dark Side of the Moon? If you play alongside with the Wizard, oh, with of, Oz, Wizard of Oz, it matches yeah. up perfect. I wonder if any of these like works for like. That would be cool. <laughs> if, if, if you watch Someone the Hobbit, experiment with that. Yeah, if you watch the Hobbit. It just lines up <laughs> perfectly. But, uh, but but no. Um, just one more one more thing I would like to mention is um, I really also like even vocally I actually enjoyed not so much with a, a diabolical full moon, but I liked a pure Holocaust. The, the, the stuff that you put in there. From the production the on there is so nice. It is really interesting to hear. It's, it's like, like really tinny. Yeah, you know what I mean, but it, it still tinny, has punch. It, it still has that kind of like twinge. It makes it has the twinge of low fidelity, but actually like while well, everything's coming in kind of clear, and it's kind of like hearing hearing that really raspy vocal. That all actually sounds really cool.
Definitely. So for me, that's what I enjoyed. I mean, I wasn't Dark Throne was. I'm, I liked Dark Throne there. Well, can I ask what you liked from Dark Throne? Um, like I got instrument instrumentation. That's what I enjoyed mostly. From like, Dark do you, do you remember which album or which um, songs? I no, chose I chose the Hordes of Nebula as my favorite Dark Throne because I could pronounce fucking it. Fucking slammer of a song! <laughs> oh my god, that riff. Rift makes well, me want well, to just well, punch, punch punch everything in sight. And, uh, <laughs> I put, I'm a nebula. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a good one. Fuck me up. There is this weird haunting beauty to, to, exactly. to those things, you know. And, and that, like, that's like some of my maybe favorite that would sounds. Be an, when you were saying, like, if you heard it on a violin, it would be like a, a beautiful piece of classical music. Yeah. I would like to see someone do that. Like, I'm sure they have. Pro- well, I, I know there's like a common that. point that people like to make that I talked about before the episode that I've heard that if you take out the distortion here it's uh um it's just, it's just like satanic surf music like did you guys expect this genre to be as melodic as it is no I I, I I don't know if melody would have been the thing that really jumped to mind but I but like I know what you're talking about these you know again because you talk about open chords beforehand but this really like higher register notes really fast tr- tremble picking with you know alongside with those really rough vocals that's what I expected but I didn't really expect as much of that you know other the, the melodic part of it with with the guitars as much as i did not and then now that i've listened to it now you've kind of explained it i do get more of what you're telling me before we did done this episode so yeah no this instrumentally this is this is i can really get behind this yeah and like just again like i came from a classical background i played you know an orchestra all throughout high school and a little bit of college Early, early college. You know, playing like the Overture to Messiah by, uh, you know, Handel. And then listening to this, it's just like, I've always been drawn to like that really like, I don't know, like how how you said, Andrew, haunting, kind of like gothic haunting melody, beauty. that kind of like darker sound and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you know what I would that melody's always appealed to me. You know, I can compare that to, and this could be a really weird comparison, but I can compare this to Don't Fear the Reaper. It has, Don't Fear the Reaper has that kind of same mood to it. Like, I, mm. I have a friend, and she's not, like, really into music, but uh, when, I, when I mentioned I really like Blue Oyster Cult, she's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, Blue Oyster Cult has this really haunting beauty to it. And, like, think, I've never thought of it that way before, and I really like using that adjective now. And that's like Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, like, because it has that mood to it. Yeah. I can compare that to black metal. Black metal so. well, you know, it's funny, that band I brought up before, which this will be a good transition to the Brent picks, mm. Zaster, yes. he's a huge Kansas fan. Really? You know what? There is some good 70s prong, and I would argue Songs of America is a great pick. Yes is sick. Yeah, I, I like Yes. 
too. But Songs of America. You hated Yes. Did I ever say that? I, I could have sworn you said you hate Yes once. I know. I, I think my favorite. I think. I think. I think what I told you was that I'm supposed to hate Yes because I'm a uh, punk fan. That's but I don't. Yeah, the guy behind Zaster also has another project called Nocturnal Poisoning, and that's like much more just acoustic music. Interesting. So maybe that that would be up your alley if you're trying to if you're curious about how some of this music would sound. I wasn't really a fan of Zaster, but but go ahead. Now we're going into the Brent picks because uh, there's some bands here that you know we've talked about, and basically like I'm I'm giving you these bands for you to go seek them out. I could talk all day about like this song's perfect, this song's perfect, but the whole point of this episode is to like give you the Rundown uh, the, of how the, to go into the genre. Yeah, give you the rope, and then you go seek it out if this sounds like something that would interest you. Yep. But some Brent picks. There, there, there's two pockets here. There are some 90s groups that I'm going to talk about here that I don't feel get enough mention uh, when we talk about, like, really important second-wave black metal. And then there's just also stuff that I love that I wanted to mention on the episode. So some of that 90s stuff, uh, ancient... I know that you weren't crazy about ancients. No, it wasn't crazy because I, I think again that that's where it got to be. I guess quote unquote too abrasive for me. Not to say I couldn't handle it. It's just like this is just this just goes beyond the point where I'm like really like able to enjoy it. Um, I'm gonna talk about the album. I'm probably gonna totally butcher it. Svartalsheim. Also, yeah. so yeah. Um, also Norway, Norway outfit. Um, this album came out in 1994. And in my opinion, it encapsulates like that dark throne really minimal sound uh perfectly it's like another entry into there right when that sound was at it like its peak relevance within the genre 94 um and yeah ancient is just another group that i feel doesn't really get brought up very much i think that their sound was really like uh dry they had a really really dry like bare bone sound in their production there didn't seem to be that much like room to the production which i like it it, it felt really just minimal bare bones and there's also some really cool like interludes and musical transitions in this album that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, people don't really talk about this album enough, but there's a lot of variety on it. There's a lot of influence on it. And it was doing like a really novel sound for the time when it was like novel to be doing that sound. So uh, Ancient's a band I don't think gets enough attention. Hmm. Michael, did you like Ancient? Yeah, yeah. Um, the intro riff on the song that I was talking about was like spectacular change of pace, like the notes had like this dissonance and like but also organized in time um the, it was kind of groovy kind of jovial like, yeah yeah i i think it, it, i definitely liked ancient a lot more than zaster zaster yeah and i know zaster is is a big one for you Brent, but, and i'm sure if i if i got really got tried you, i could do it but you know what all my problem with zaster was and again i know if this is gonna piss off every black metal person listening that was just too low fi for me well, that was to a point where it's like 
What am I even listening to? Was it recorded on a potato kind of thing? Yeah. Well, you know what? Like a lot of people in black metal actually don't like Zaster. Like, Hmm. it's funny. A lot of the picks I'm bringing today are probably going to be like, oh, those are normie picks of black metal. Because like, like that's why people don't like the fans. But, uh, (laughs) and and what's so cool about this is it's like this sound, this is a sound that bands like Life Lover ripped off like 10 years later. like what we just played with that song it's almost like a post-punky sound a tiny bit and there's bands that would later try to incorporate like a post-punky joy division-esque sound into black metal bands like life lover um which we could have talked about life lover but not enough people want to talk about them so okay. uh, I'll, I'll save you the trouble because a lot of life right. lover sucks too so any more brand picks yeah we have a few so yes. there's Ancient and then um, Arcanum, which I'd love. I've they were probably one of my, if not like as far as like traditional sounding black metal bands, they were probably among my favorite. I got, I got so a lot of tremble picking, but I didn't get as many high notes as them. They felt a little heavier. So I think they had actually seemed like actual production standards going in here, and and that's not the reason why I liked it. I I, I just think it kind of it sounded really thrashy to me, and I he had like this the guy had a really interesting like mixed vocal styling. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his name is, but uh, it, they're from Sweden, so some, fuck us for trying to pronounce it yeah. right now. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I thought Arcanum was really good. I really liked the song. Um, it was the first one off the album you sent us. Oh, that that intro? That kind no, of... No, no, that's not the intro, the second one. Uh, oh, okay. Like the second one, you know, Hivana Pa Tronin Min, what the fuck, I don't know. I'm not even bother trying that again, but uh, it was like two minutes, and it was just like super great, like thrash, it was like, thr- this was like black thrash metal. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love thrash metal, so when I hear some stu- some stuff incorporating more elements of that, I'm probably gonna be uh, draw to it more. I, I know Michael kind of disagreed with me. You said that they're among the lower ones for you. Yeah, I don't know. I I listened to I think one one or two songs in the. It just did not stand out to me compared to the others that we'll, we'll put in kind of the lower, lesser-known category. Yeah, I, I, I can't really, I don't really have an explanation prepared for you as to why. It's just like I'd have to think about it a little longer. Just with my first reaction, it just wasn't, wasn't hitting me like for the sure. other bands were. I think the reason I like them so much is like this album, Fran Martyr, which is the album I'm talking about. In 1995, you know, uh, not a Norwegian band, a Swedish band. So it's just cool to see another band uh, like expressing that sound, this is just another record that I feel is like a classic of that sound that doesn't get a lot of talk or attention. Um, same with the ancient one, because this is a sound similar to what we saw with you know Dark Throne, similar to some extent with Emperor, because there's a lot of synth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't hear that much about Arcanum. I don't hear about this album. I think this album is a classic in, in 90s black metal, or it's very close to. I think it's just as good if not to be compared to one of them, but... Uh, and that kind of goes to another Brent pick, which is the band I really want to talk about for like the quote classic album that's yeah. over. Ulver, they've had a very wide range of sounds. Ulver's done everything from black metal to, you know, uh, industrial to synth pop stuff, or not synth pop, but kind of like synth wavy stuff, ambient mm-hmm. music. And, uh, but this album though, like their early years, I think they made just masterpieces of black metal, specifically their 1997 album, Natin's Madrigal, probably not pronouncing that correctly. But this album has probably. I think the most abrasive is production it, is style. Is we're all separated by hymns? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think this probably has, like, the most abrasive production of anything that I had you guys listen to. Yes. But I also feel like um, this is, like, if you're talking about black metal, if you're talking about, like, classics of the 90s or just classics in the genre period, you need to talk about this album because, in my opinion, this is... Like that that sound that Dark Throne established mm-hmm. done better than they ever did it. You have that kind of constant hypnotic like uh, uh, like re- repetitive rhythm. You have these acoustic breaks and interludes. You have this amazing melody and atmosphere. Uh, and the production on this album, it's bad, but it works. <laughs> I can't imagine this album sounding any other way. The guitars, there is like no low end. They, it's like they scooped every mid, mm-hmm. and it is just so tinny and high, playing these high, just like tortured, 
tortured melodies, like, very just these sad sounding. Lots of tr- lots of treble, but you know, like almost no, nothing but like, yeah, yeah. It's like just fried to hell guitar tone, very similar to like how Burzum's guitar tone. I like right, albums like right. like like Philosophem. Yep. The guitar tone of the album is just fried. Like I, I I can only describe it as fried. But um, that's a, that's a very good word. I think when I think of that, yeah, and and it's it's fried. just so crispy. But then when you listen to the album, it is just littered with beautiful beautiful melodies like there are there are you know guitar passages in this album that will just like be stuck in my head all day long and they're they're just beautiful pieces and you know album was recorded in 96 released in 97 so by that time dark throne weren't really even that much of a black metal band anymore they had kind of gone on to explore more like black and roll or punk music um you know burzum was in varg was in prison by that time you know the black metal in Europe, it, it it wasn't like teetering off, but from like 95 to 2000, those are seen as like slightly less, you know, classic years for the genre. And then the early 2000s, kind of like this shadow realm. But 97, this was like just this, this masterpiece of application. And, you know, I talked about music as a craft earlier. If you're talking about black metal as a craft, this is understanding the craft perfectly and understanding what works, what doesn't work. There's not a bad moment on this album. There's not a thing I would change. It's 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 a 100% classic to me. You got me listening to Olver, and you got me wanting some KFC fried chicken <laughs> from that guitar tone. Um, so... And can I can I ask you something? Of of all the hymns on this one, what what which one would you recommend? I would recommend, okay, of Wolf and Fear is the opening one that has an amazing acoustic passage. Three of Wolf and Hatred, amazing, and uh, eight hymn eight of Wolf and Night. I like closers to black metal albums. They usually have just great closers. But uh, yeah, my big caveat with this album is, you know, not all Ulver sounds like this. Not all mm. Ulver is even black metal. But uh, my big caveat is this, like, if you don't listen to a lot of black metal, maybe don't start off with this because mm. it'll hurt your ears, maybe. Uh, especially if you listen to it very loudly. But um, Im- imagine this. Imagine sitting in your bedroom, you got the lights off, you know, it's like maybe November, December, you have the window cracked, barely opening out a nice cool breeze coming through and you're sitting in your bedroom at night. Maybe there's a candle lit and you just have this album going. It's very specific. Yeah, because that's what I was doing last night. Well, that's, what, that's what I wanted to know way early in the in the episode is like we describe a situation like that where you can you can put this on. So mm-hmm. I'll try it because like a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, one word that I always hear people use to describe black metal is cold. Mm. Yeah, it's a cold sound. So anytime winter rolls around, I always see people being like, oh, it's black metal. It's black metal now. season. Yeah, it's black metal season, quite literally. Get on people, your face, people say that. get the to torches, let's yeah. do this. Because, I mean, 
it is music that kind of it, it sounds cold. Yeah. It sounds freezing. It sounds like you know if I'm when I'm listening to Dissection, you know that album cover. I feel like I'm trudging through the snow hunting a dragon. I mm-hmm. feel like you know I'm in this fantasy world. But um, my big the reason why I love black metal so much is is it 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 has all these like elements of spirituality, has all these elements of you know ambience and melody and atmosphere, and it cares so much about texture and atmosphere especially. And uh, I feel like that great that kind of laid a big groundwork for a lot of heavy bands in the future, being like, well, we can incorporate atmosphere into heaviness too, because it's like mm-hmm. now that seems to be like a main a mainstay of heavy music, where it's like. We don't have to just worry about being like thrashy or whatever to appeal to the you know, thrash punks. Because now nowadays, most most people have like a much wider range of music than they did. They listen to more different things. Right. So it's like heavy bands nowadays incorporate atmosphere. And in my opinion, whether they want to admit it or not, black metal set a big stage for like atmospheres that we hear now being in heavy music. And the last Brent pick, I'll throw a bone to the pitchfork readers out there. We'll talk about Panopticon. Yeah. which is that band I mentioned uh, I before. I didn't get around to them, and I really wish <laughs> I I really enjoyed what I heard because it was very interesting. It was very different from everything else. Uh, lots of long song, like 11 minutes. I don't know if I could stomach, because the stomach after listening to everything else last night going through there. But, like, yeah, this guy, is really, he's, like, from fucking Kentucky. And I think you, so. And, and you said he incorporates, like, bluegrass with, like, like like, a, like Appalachian folk music, yeah. I got some of that. Uh, I don't know if I went would go full into that but there were there were it definitely did sound while it sounded a lot like a lot of the other stuff you had just listened to it, panopticon to me it sounded did have its own distinct sound its own distinct image compared yeah, to everything else definitely and you know uh it's funny hearing like a metal record be so like folksy and beautiful at times mm. and like having like banjos in a metal record and having yeah, you know and, and having it work like, it's not done for like a really cheap gimmick. It's not like pirate metal or we're gonna try playing. Shut up! We're, 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 yeah, don't insult or, pirate metal. Or fucking banjo. Or fucking Rob Scallon. You know? Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. play. I'm gonna play a Metallica song on a Hello Kitty guitar. You do not get. <laughs> oh, sick meme, bro. Sick <laughs> one. You do not. You do not get to compare Alestorm to Rob Scallon. No. We, we will do an Ailstorm episode. One no, day. we're not. No, I am no, not, not allowing that, Andrew. What? You are never talking about Hailstorm on this fucking show. Hailstorm. Yeah, you're never talking about them you on just, this show. You said Hailstorm. What is it? You said Hailstorm. Right, isn't yeah. that? No, they're, they're two diff- completely There's different There's Hailstorm bands. with the shitty radio metal. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought you were talking about. No, Ailstorm, the pirate Oh, metal. okay. It's ale, like Pirate Street. Even ale. dumber. Even yeah. dumber. No! I will do- how can you? How can you laugh? How can you laugh at Isengard <laughs> and then because. listen to like like swashbuckling? Oh, so, so, no, like, no, okay. So first of all, that's on. not every. That's not like in all their songs. Second of all, yeah, yeah. Some of their songs are meant to be. You can't listen to "Fucked with an Anchor" and like legit <laughs> think that that's like supposed to be taken seriously. You all right, can't. fair enough. You can't. But like, seriously, they, they have songs that are like where they actually even when they use the guitar to really great effects, they actually make it sound serious. Um, the, uh, Captain Morgan's Revenge is the six minute long epic. <laughs> Where they all get cursed. Six they all have to listen to Seriously, they all get cursed and they're like, well, fuck it, we're gonna die, so we're gonna die together as a brotherhood. That's like some fucking. Like, how is that not like the Viking shit you were talking about? Because okay. Vikings are cool and pirates are stupid, Andrew. Oh, That's why pirates are They actually, they actually, the no, they actually are have badasses. a song. They actually have a song 
pulled back through time. And it's one of the more silly ones where they actually go go back in time to kill Vikings. And one, one of the best lines ever. Wow. You, you put your faith in Odin and Thor. We put ours in cannons and whores. It's great. I love it. Seriously. <laughs> Ailst- I'm not making my point, but here's where I'll end with Ailstorm. They have a... Off their last, Michael is just like in tears. <laughs> Not in the hailstorm. <laughs> After realize that this great. man thinks hailstorm is like the best thing to come out of this past decade. One of I didn't say the best. I said one of. But no, Andrew. Uh, uh, Andrew, I love you to, to last death, album. But what the fuck are you on right now, my man? <laughs> There's second to last it. album. There's a song called 19, like 1761, the Battle of Cartagena. It's not. It's not about pirates. It's about this. You know, this 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 ship battle between the English and the and Spanish. And you know, and I think the English are going in there, and we're like, we're gonna give us our all. We're we're gonna you know defeat them. It's nothing to do with pirates. And in fact, they, they use these a lot of really rough vocals. <laughs> They use lots of different things, apart from the stupid 8-bit video game intro. Yeah, that, that's the dumb part. That's that's the part that I, I could do without. Yeah, there, there's horns. It's like, why is there 8-bit stuff with pirates? That ruins the whole thing. Yeah, I, that's what I wanted to know, too. What the fuck? That's what I want to know, too. I agree. It's tough. I, I didn't like the last second because I thought it was too gimmicky. But yeah, I, I didn't do a great job because you guys kept laughing during the whole thing. We have the, we have but like, the, seriously, this but yeah, band, that, that, you that. can take this band seriously when you when you get past the, the even even with some of the pirate gimmicks, you can take Ailstorm seriously. And I will argue tooth and nail that they are a fantastic a fantastically talented band that writes really well crafted music. I want to see. All right, how, okay, wait. shut up. I'm ending it on this. I want to see a LARPing tournament as Brent dressed as a Viking and you dressed as a pirate. <laughs> so right, I can, now. so I can decapitate him. <laughs> no, and I will put. As, as, as the song will say, I put my faith in cannons and whores, and I will destroy your stupid Viking metal. I, just, I, I never really got into Viking metal as much. And really, the only pirate metal band worth listening to is Illstorm. It's not really a genre worth delving into. But just one last thing, I defend Illstorm tooth and nail. It's a, it's a band you can, yeah, laugh at, while at the same time, they have other stuff you can take seriously. All right, back to, like, the thing of gimmicks, because it's like, we talk about the Rob Scallon sure, thing. Yeah, sure, and sure. what I think is, like, really ironic is, it's like, people like Rob Scallon or, like, Steve T. Do you know? Like, Stevie T. Stevie T. Oh, do you know that? Do you know that? I that, need him. That oh. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. Yeah. Like, I, I sometimes I'll binge watch his stuff just to, like, see how long I can last. <laughs> but he, he's done this one thing, and he'll be like, Black metal is cringy, and That's I'm gonna show you. Voice too. <laughs> black metal is cringy, and I'm gonna, you know, this is how you're a black metal band. And he, you know, what's so funny is like they lambast black metal for being gimmicky when it's like, my dude, you make a career off playing hammer smashed face on a ukulele. <laughs> like, check yourself when you're talking about gimmicks. But anyway, anyway, wow. fuck Stevie T. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, listen to Elfstorm. Is there, not any, is there any more bands you want to shout out before we uh, wrap it up with this, these suggestions? Yeah, so I included, like, Marduk in the uh, um, playlist. Pans, like, uh, albums like Panzer Division. Mm-hmm. I believe that's a 1999 release. Huge classic uh, of, of, like, the, the late 90s era. First, people that say that, like, late 90s black metal, early 2000s black metal isn't very good. That album alone proves you wrong. And then I'm just going to drop it off with one more recommendation a band like revenge that yeah. i include in the playlist i like revenge a lot uh really ignorant as hell war metal band but i love them to death because it's like uh black metal mixed with grindcore mixed with just straight up walls of noise did you guys like revenge at all i think i did yeah i i know i know ones. you mentioned blood of my blood
they were the they were kind of the Isengard for me, where it's like, I wonder if they have any humor in their bands. Like, um, well, I, I think a lot of the humor could come from like just how over the top they are. Like, I, I did not enjoy Revenge was one of the ones I really didn't like. So I didn't like this because they just I don't I never really got into grindcore. Grindcore is not really something that I like. It, it's like okay, especially like especially when you get stuff like porno grind, and I know that's not what they're doing, but like it's just like okay, you're just trying to be disgusting. Like I don't really care for sure. For it, you know, but so. it's like I mean, album titles like Triumph, Genocide, Antichrist, Victory, Intolerance, Mastery, Infiltration, yeah, Downfall, like, Death. I mean, <laughs> it, they're quite literally a band where it's just you're constantly being pump, like pummeled with mm-hmm. like this this imagery. Yeah. So I mean, it's. I don't know if there's like I'm I, sure they I just wonder I just wonder if they're self aware of that. I'm sure they're self aware of how it's like, you know, seen, but it's like the the band that this band came from, Conqueror, I mean they'd use like, you know, totem coughs on their album covers. Mm-hmm. It was it's always been about like like using like fascist or like, you know, extremist imagery and kind of I'm not going to say it's about uh like raising a question about it or anything not role play but like if a metal band writes a lyric about murdering someone you know mm-hmm. like you're clearly writing a song to like transport yourself as the writer into like that mindset because it's like it's a fantasy it's like you want to write a song it's like through the mind of a killer or something it's like the logic is it's like well this is music through the eyes of like the most emboldened like territorial people possible and it's 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 really heavy. It's really heavy. It's really mean. I love it. They're from Canada. Cool. Which they, they don't sound very Canadian, though. <laughs> which are our brothers polite. to the north. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the I, I I would recommend uh, Blood of My Blood from Revenge. I would recommend their album, older stuff. I would recommend Triumph, Genocide, Antichrist, Scum, Collapse, Eradication. Are these and, all uh, albums. Yeah. So those are like I believe that's all of the Brent picks. And then Zaster is the last one I want to touch on very very briefly. I'll just recommend Zaster because. Their band, you know, we talked about like the low production. Mm-hmm. They're probably the most non-heavy, most temporal band that we're going to talk about today. That approaches heaviness and like metal music m- from the most stripped back direction. Because most Zaster music, you know, it falls under the DSBM label, you know, depressive, suicidal, black metal. Right. So a lot of it is, it's like, it's music for that mood. Mm-hmm. It's music where it's like, if when you're at your lowest, you want to hear the most like sad, solemn, somber quote metal music ever this is what you put on i love zaster um i feel like I, I, feel, I feel like before we leave mm-hmm. i should probably say it's like if you're a person who's gone through this whole thing and been like i still don't really understand what black metal is if you want uh metal music that is more so about speed without like thrashy riffs you may like black metal if you like metal that's a bit more fantastical a bit more fantasy driven, maybe not as politically uh, on its face. Cause a lot of these bands, they're very political people, sure. but most of their stuff, I mean like Burzum, Burzum's like a very political person, but his lyrics are usually about like nature or about Lord sure. of the Rings lore and stuff like that. It's yeah. like these people do just fully love, like, I mean, that, that does, that's a huge thing that I didn't even touch on, like the ideology behind black metal. So much of it is it's like, a revert to you know the natural order or the natural law or mm-hmm. whatever and stuff like that but all right bringing it back uh i recommend this if you're a fan of heavy music if you're a fan of melody if you're a fan of classical music all these things i'd recommend it if you don't like it just like check it out give it a listen but do not do not under any circumstances see the new lords of chaos movie <laughs> do not see it 
because it looks really bad. The book is like eh to begin with. Mm. Don't go see it. Well, if anything, you I will definitely be re- revisiting this chapter. Yeah, and for I sure. think there. I think at the very least, I'll be adding some dissection to yeah, yeah. maybe some Arkham. Yeah. Come over to my house sometimes. We'll listen to some black metal records. Can look at his really terrifying band names that he has on his t- in his tape collection. I'd love to. All right. Very interesting. All right. Uh, recommendations? Let's do it. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about our guilty pleasures. And um, I mentioned I'm a big fan of uh, John Lennon's sons. Um, Sean Lennon just uh, released another Claypool Lennon Delirium album with uh, with Les Claypool of Primus, one of the best bassists of all time. It's it's psychedelic rock to the very extreme. It's um, This is coming off of their first record, Monolith of Phobos. Um, it's... It's great stuff. I love. I I'm really into. Um, I'm really starting to gravitate more towards psychedelic rock. dad just bought him and i a ticket to go see them in april super excited um yeah please go check it out it's it i think this this project is definitely worth checking out i might have to check that out because i do like me some less claypool and i really i mean just love psychedelic just imagine just imagine like just imagine like john lennon singing over primus songs with like with like psychedelic guitar and like synths I mean, and like all these weird noises awesome. oh okay got so um continuing with the theme of definitely not like black metal um <laughs> uh i'm gonna recommend something much older if he's recommend something uh newer um the band's called Hammerbox. uh they're they're from seattle they're they're, they're, they're often thrown with the grunge scene and i guess you can say that they're they're, they're alternative rock they have some punk uh, and some alt rock attitudes it gets mixed with some mm-hmm. of those grunge sounds. I, I ch- you you showed me that band. You put it on my playlist that you made for me. I personally, uh, it was a little hard for me to get to, into, but do not let that discourage you. Yeah, d- this, there's this, definitely this, reasons. I, I remember too. looking. Th- I, I think they were on um, uh, CZ Records. Um, I think that's when um, where this album was released through. So, and I remember looking through the old bands. I came across this that this album, the album that they. That the, I guess they're quote most known for numb. And I was like, wow, this is really fucking good. And I and of course, like, because I'm a vinyl collector, I always go online to to look like, oh, is this what's this ever pressed in vinyl? And I saw that it was in the mid '90s. Like, oh, it's it's a limited pressing. It's mid '90s. It's kind of going for a bit on eBay. I'll never find this. But these for a decent price. So yeah. I just kind of put that back in my mitt. Two weeks later, I was digging through the Encore's like used alternative rock section, and in the H's, there it was, mm-hmm. numb. Pretty good shape for like eight bucks. I'm like, Damn. it was like one of the things where I picked. Like, well, that's this is already mine. So like, <laughs> yeah, like it was. It was I already knew it was going coming home with me. So that was really good. Um, the album as a whole, I argue, is pretty solid. There are a couple dull moments. Like, there's the I think the song "Sleep" is pretty much self-explanatory. <laughs> like, it's it's not that exciting. But this, um, particularly, I like this uh, song "Trip," uh, "Hole," and my favorite by far is "Simple Passing" because that's like super punk. 
it's kind of punky, but like, because it, it's in a sense it's fast paced, but it has a great hook to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck she's singing about lyrically, but you know, it's 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 still it's got a, it's got a big chorus, really really great hook in the verse as well. Um, seriously, honestly, if you're gonna check out anything, at least check out that song. And I would recommend the album as a whole as well. So that's my recommendation. This was from like 93. So if you want to go old school, there you go. And I'm going to recommend uh, something that kind of fits into what we've talked about today. I'm going to recommend the band Drawing Last Breath. Andrew, you, you'll get a crack at it. They're a vegan straight edge metalcore band okay. from South Florida. And when I say metalcore, I'm giving a big caveat here. I do not mean metalcore like Kill Switch Engage. I mean metalcore... <laughs> I mean actual metalcore, like metallic ha right. hardcore. So I'm talking like things like Earth Crisis somewhat. Uh, this band more so, they sound a lot more like the Belgian bands like Congress okay. or you know, other South Florida bands like Undying, uh, other bands like Pray for, uh, Pray for Cleansing, you know, stuff like that, Archangel especially, but Drawing Last Breath are a newer band that takes from that like mid to late 90s, early 2000s metallic hardcore sound. Really, really melodic too, mm -hmm. like shockingly melodic. And uh, I'm going to recommend them. They're an amazing, amazing band. Uh, the song's Unrequited off of their album Final Sacrifice mm -hmm. and the song What Dreams May Come off of Hymns of Suffering, which is their, uh, their like, EP that they put out before their full length. They're not a band anymore. They broke up, like, I believe about a year ago. R.I.P. I should also recommend the Hammerboxes, but long since broken up too, so. Uh, they, they put out their stuff on Carry the Weight Records. Uh, they're a U.K. I think primarily straight edge hardcore uh, label. They put out stuff for Eco Strike, which I've also recommended on the show before. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll recommend uh, Un Unrequited from Drawing Last Breath. I think this one well. I, I, I don't too. go, don't go burn down a church. Oh yeah. shit! Well, that's why I had my itinerary. After May, maybe, maybe uh, fire uh, 
paintballs at a McDonald's. Maybe do that, but don't don't burn down a tree. End it out with your cringy outros. <laughs> we do have a Weezer episode plan coming up because oh, yeah. the Black Album's coming out soon. Yes. Um, if anyone yes, yes, yes. remembered from last season, um, the episode we did about the Strokes, the guest we had, uh, Melissa Frick, she's currently our university editor. Think about having her back on there. Wall. Uh, both simultaneously praise and complain about Weezer, as people often do. Did you guys hear those new songs they just put out? No. Uh, High as a Kite, and there was one I, more. I heard clips oh, of Oh, are that. these singles off the Black Album? Yeah. Okay. High as a Kite is actually really good. I was surprised. I'm really it sounded interesting. For, for I don't know if I... Album. It's the definitely other, different from uh, tr- 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 traditional Weezer. The other song they posted was trash, yeah. as, as I suspected, but High as a Kite's actually a really good song. Well, I'll, I'll just ask you right now, uh, Michael. Um, I'm thinking... Uh, we talked about these. Either we do a Bob Mold retrospective or a... Uh, where we just essentially, essentially who's could do sugar his solo stuff yeah. or the silver sun pickups either one either one <laughs> shut up i think uh, yeah i think the bob mold one would okay. be cool because we could capture a lot of different projects in the same episode okay, that's then we'll do bob mold who's do is so influential too i love who's yeah. do honestly i don't know i'm lately and you know, no I'll, I'll i'll save it for the episode but um <laughs> so you'll either be seeing one of those first uh when i have no fucking clue so yeah. we'll just see as it goes. Um, anyways, yeah, th- guys, thank you uh, very much for listening. Um, don't scream your lungs out. And I don't know. Hail Satan. Uh, <laughs> Hail Satan. Good night, Detroit. <laughs> Good night. Let's go.